0: Welcome back to episode 138 of the Guardian Project Podcast. I'm your host, Andy, and I just love winter. It's the time of ice.
1: Oh, okay. Well, at least it's not the dead of winter. Well, it kind of is the dead of winter right now, too. Oh,
0: that's that's actually an even better one. Blood in the snow. <laughs> oh, jeez. No. Yikes.
1: No. <laughs> 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 and I'm your other host, Mike. And the previews coming out for this latest set, I really think they got the title wrong. With all the support they're getting, they might as well call it Kamigawa Neon B. Dynasty.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Please listen carefully.
0: And this is the podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering. But
1: mostly Commander.
0: So we're going to jump actually right into our main subject in just a couple of minutes. Coyle, what do we have going on today?
1: It's a very exciting day. We're actually joined by Andy Bentley, one of our patrons. This will be the first time we actually have one of our patrons on for. Uh, their patron exclusive episode and today we're going to be chatting about aggressive strategies in commander
0: yes and before we do that we want to uh, thank everybody who listens to us and thank everybody who supports us through patreon if you want to support us you can head to patreon.com slash guardian project pod and donate for any dollar amount
1: and if you're looking for another way to support the podcast whatever platform you are enjoying the podcast on now if you could subscribe rate review and leave comments we'd be much appreciative
0: and if you um, want to find us online, you can find us at theguardianprojectpodcast.com. We stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash guardianprojectpodcast. Our social media is at Twitter at guardianpod, on Instagram at guardianprojectpodcast, and we have gameplay videos at youtube.com slash theguardianproject. And if you want to email us, you can email us at guardianprojectpod at gmail.com. Now, I have a need, a need for speed. So this is a really really special week for us. It has been at least I would say 6 months in the making, but we are joined by Andy Bentley. Andy, how are you today? Uh wonderful this is awesome. Nailed it. Nailed it. We are so happy to have you on. And we honestly cannot thank you enough for your support of our show. And we're really excited to talk today about aggressive strategies in Commander, which you have become known for. And we've seen a lot. And um, before we do that, you know, tell us a little bit about you. um, How long have you been playing Magic? And, um, you know, where do you where do you see yourself um, in, I guess, the Commander sphere as far as, you know, a player goes and, and how often you play? let's see i started playing magic in 2011 okay
2: and uh kind of fell into that uh standard mm-hmm. loop mm-hmm. okay that everyone yep. kind of falls yep. into yep. at one point uh and then rotation hit and i said uh you started cards. just
0: before me so 11 was what was it was it innistrad in standard then
2: Uh, so Innistrad was in standard, but I started just after Innistrad,
0: so I kind of missed out on a lot of that. And Um, I started just after you. And as far as Commander goes, how long have you been playing Commander and what would you say you're known for? Uh, I started playing Commander
2: in 2014. Uh, my cousin kind of introduced it to me at first and I kind of fell in love with the idea and then I got my brothers into it and, uh, we kind of had our own little pod until COVID decided to... Yeah. yeah. Our, it did that to all of us, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> but a lot of times when I sit down at a table, most people are gonna expect me to play creatures and turn side sideways. Has, so, have you
1: always been that Have you always played that sort of strategy? Like even when you were in your standard loop when when you first started playing, were you typically playing more aggressive decks?
2: Yes. I the the thought of like even a spell slinger deck was never really in the back of my mind. It was always Well, I have a thing, and the thing is going to reduce your life total Mm -hmm. to zero. So I'm going to use. That's just
1: simple math right there. Just my power minus your life total. No, your life total minus my power. I know how to do math. Come on.
0: With our powers
2: combined. (laughs) Well, see, that's the joke. I don't know how to do math because well, math is for blockers. that's true too. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> so, start us off by explaining your definition of aggro or or aggressive for folks um, that are um, new to Commander, um, and and uh, you know how how you've you know started to utilize this strategy. Okay,
2: so the first thing you really need to look at aggro in Commander is it is not the same as other forms. Okay. Yeah. Where your goal is to just say, "Hey, nice to meet you." I don't need to know your name. I just need your life total at zero. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would agree.
1: Yeah, and you're uh, well, and, and you're and you're playing so in like a pot of four rather than like one v one too. Like right, okay. exactly.
2: So my definition of aggro is taking every initiative you can to lower all life okay. totals.
1: Okay, so not just single targeting somebody out, not just going after one person in particular, but you spread it out
2: that's a good way to get yourself hated off. That's true.
1: That is true. So if you want to kill everyone at the same time, but also I imagine you want to do it quickly. Exactly. So what other, what other things do you like, I guess, associate with that sort of strategy? Like, are you trying to, Go tall, uh, in that you want your creatures to be super high power, or go wide, in that you just want to be able to swing with so many creatures that your opponent just doesn't have enough to block with. Like, or are both strategies viable aggressive strategies?
2: Well, that's the wonderful thing about aggro and commander is it's as diverse as the commanders that you play because some want to go tall, some want to go wide, some just want to burn people out. Okay,
1: that's for, so. So burning people out, as in, so you you could. I know you said you're you're not really uh into the spellslinger style, but you could consider a spellslinger style deck to be somewhat of an aggressive deck if, if that's what it's doing if it's burning your opponent out
0: absolutely. So, in an aggro deck, we're going for life totals early. Um How do you commit to the board in most of your aggro decks? Um, are you are you finding um your most successful um, and by successful just uh, achieving the goal, right of of getting your opponents to zero as quickly as you can um, through through more aggressive decks that play more creatures, or through an aggressive deck that plays uh, less creatures, but larger creatures? Uh, in my case, I
2: tend to go with a higher volume of creatures. Uh, for the most part, you basically always want to have a board presence, but that also means you need to know when
0: to stop committing to the board so you can hold stuff back in
2: reserve.
1: It's smart. Something I've never learned to do
0: ever. <laughs> Please. Yes. Continue to play out your creatures because I'm going to board wipe in a turn. Um, so I guess maybe let's just ask what is one of your most successful Aggressive decks. Uh, or maybe your first. Let's start with your first. When did you first start playing um an aggressive strategy? And do you have any particular commander that stands out to you that was like, yes, this is a strategy I like and this is how it works? One of my first uh purely aggressive decks was
2: actually uh five color allies. Oh. Which at the time got a lot of flack
0: because General Tazri at the time was also a medicine. Yeah, uh, CDH. Yeah. yeah, it was being played with, like, food chain and stuff. Yes, I've I've, I've heard yeah. the stories. <laughs> uh, I don't own a
2: food chain. I never intend to own a food sure. chain. Mine was just really cheap, aggressive
0: creatures that triggered off of everybody entering the battle. So those allies can be mill. Some of them, I guess, give life links. Some of them... Are there allies that do direct damage to face when an ally enters? I'm not familiar. I actually yeah. haven't played an, an ally deck in... I can't I don't think I played one at all last year when we were recording. I think there's some
1: black color so, allies that drain. Tuck
0: Tuck Scrapper oh, yeah. is a red goblin
2: ally for three and a red. Okay. Uh when it enters or another ally enters, you can destroy an artifact and then dome the person whose artifact you destroyed for the number of allies. You
0: can oh, get. all right. That's So there hard. is some direct damage in this. So um did I assume then that that deck was you you would commit as much as you could to the board, right? Because if you do get a board wipe, um, you're going to trigger less off of that that actual ally mechanic. Now, were you running a reanimate package in that deck out of curiosity with it being reanimator in case that did happen a few times? I won. okay that's smart. And you're then, in five colors that yeah that makes sense. Yeah
1: and and you know yeah. there's a there's a a drawback you know we talked about holding some cards back in your hand because you don't want to commit too much to the board but general tazri is a is card advantage in itself it's the etb trigger where you get to Uh, just find allies, right? So you could play it kind of like a blink strategy and not even use any of the cards in your hand where a lot of aggressive strategies, you know, when I think of aggressive strategies, I kind of associate it with mono red. And I know we are definitely not in mono red when we're in this episode, but that's what I look at. And I tend to uh, hellbend myself. And hellbent, if you're not familiar, is actually something uh, that some cards say if you're hellbent means you don't have any cards in your hand. And so it's like, you know, not having card draw seems to also be somewhat of a theme uh, associated with aggressive uh, strategies. But, you know, in the case where you just get to tutor the cards rather than have to play them from your hand, you get right around that. It's pretty smart.
2: Yeah. And actually, there's a lot of other ways you can get around the uh, aggro or the mono white, like not being able to ramp or card draw. And a lot of times uh, when you're talking about going hellbent uh you're doing a second like stage of what I look at aggro decks to do and that is you have to force them to have it yes i love that stage
1: it is pretty nice i actually don't have many decks well no okay. So my my morphon deck probably my morphon human stack is a force you to have it but that's just because i don't hold anything back and i commit to the board cuz when a creature is free to cast cuz of my morphon i can't hold it back but um my other deck tetsuko Umezawa, um fugitive is a, a mono blue low to the ground and but that has to commit to the board too because i can only hit for one damage or three damage it allows creatures with power or toughness one or less uh to uh, be unblockable and if i get my mist syndicate naga which is a three one that replicates itself every time it deals damage i'll force people to have it but other than that it's like i gotta i mean well even with that i shouldn't say Unless even with that, I have to commit really hard to the board, and I often get blown completely out because of it.
2: True, but with a deck like that, how many other ways are you giving unblockable to yourself?
1: Uh, in that deck, not very many. I don't yeah. know how well that deck is built.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's still it's See, still pretty quick was, mm-hmm. Right, but if I was in blue, I would focus more on unblockability not just on my commander, but in, I don't know, maybe a third of my deck.
0: Yeah. And then you get to do cool stuff with ninjas. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. For sure. So in your aggro strategies, do you think that you rely uh pretty heavily on on like natural card draw versus mentioning having like a tutor for uh, for a card that is going to get you there? Or are you finding that you're just naturally drawing into it and hoping for the best? Or do you think that it they're they're specifically built um, you know, to, to, to function that way? For the
2: most part, I let the natural draw kinda handle things. Okay. But again, there's like corner cases. Like in Linden, one of the best decks is just a stupid two-mana enchantment called Donna Hope. It's one and a white for an enchantment that does nothing. <laughs> but you can pay three in a white to make a one-one human token with lifelink. But more importantly, whenever you gain life, you can pay two to draw a card. Yeah. And Linden's triggers trigger separately for each white creature that attacks. So you attack with five white creatures with that mana, you draw five cards.
0: Yeah. No, that that's a really great card in that deck. You know, and, and funny enough, there's there's some ag- aggressive decks. One one that I've played in the past, like Edric Spy Master of Trust, where I might not be tutoring, but because um, of the nature of the, the actual commander, it doesn't really, I guess, affect me. So, Edric being a two-two elf rogue that says whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may draw a card. So, if I'm playing out, you know, four or five rogues and then uh, playing Edric and drawing four or five cards a turn, effectively is 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 keeping my hand refilled. Now, we both, Andy and I, share a deck with, um, Tovalar. so we are both playing an aggressive werewolf deck. And I, you know, now that, that we it's been out for a few months, I'm curious on on what what you've thought of Tovalar and uh, I guess how it lines up with your other aggro decks. Is it is it feeling like an aggro deck or is it feeling more of a mid-range deck? Because I feel like the way I built mine, I'm feeling in the middle and I'm not the fastest.
2: I built mine to put creatures in the red zone. Okay. Uh again uh the deck is kind of one of those force them to have it because if they don't remove tovalar after like turn four they're just going to take huge swaths of damage
0: exactly so for those listening tovalar is the new werewolf for midnight hunt it's a three three for one a red and a green and it it says whenever uh, a wolf or a werewolf deals damage you get to draw a card um and then and then it has a, a flip side that has the same text. It becomes a four, four, but then has an ability that you can pay to give your wolves plus X plus O and trample until end of turn. So um, it's it's similar to Edric in that we're getting some card draw now in in a tribe that had previously not had that card draw or a commander that really flipped the werewolves very easily. So um, it's nice to see Tovalar fitting into this aggressive strategy um, with a lot of moving pieces, because yeah. those cards are flipping back and forth a lot yeah. onto their f- front and back sides.
1: Yeah, just a comparison Edric. With, with Edric, you know, Edric really depended, didn't, doesn't care about a particular creature type or anything. It's just whenever a creature deals damage to an opponent, uh, the player that dealt that damage gets to draw a card. And so Edric had the ability to play these unblockable creatures and these flying creatures, creatures with evasion and Tovalar. has it has to be a werewolf and so i had a couple questions for both of you on this one do you play any non-flipping werewolves and by that i mean changelings that maybe have flying or something built in i know you're you're limited to the uh green and red colors um, but then at the other time, the the aggressiveness of you kind of have to introduce trample into you have to trample over your opponents a lot of the times in order to get that damage through and get that card draw. And that probably feeds into the aggressive strategy. But is that something that you had to implement in the deck to build around? Or was there enough werewolves already with trample? Or uh, I know Tovalar has an activated ability to to pump some stuff, too, if that becomes a very useful thing in order to just get the card draw. so i know i just asked three questions so go ahead
0: (laughs) yeah andy you tackle one of the questions i'll figure out what the other two were and then i'll go from there all right uh
2: in my particular case i'm not running any changelings uh i made my decision to build my deck where most of my keywords come from my creatures Mm -hmm. so there are i believe three werewolves that give trample to everything okay uh, but we're also running some of the enchantments that specifically care about werewolves that give trample uh, just cards that allow you to attack and not necessarily care about if they block or not, because you're swinging with a 6-6 six, six with Vigilance and trample, and the best they can
0: do is chump it. Yeah. Okay. I do have one in my deck and I am running Realm Walker from Call Time. So it's a two, three shape shifter for two and a green. It says as it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type you may look at the top card of your library at any time and cast a creature that shares a type with it. So I am running everything else is either a human werewolf or a a human shaman. I'm running Master of the Wild Hunt, so that is actually not a a wolf or a werewolf at all. Um, Most of my damage is getting through because of Trample. I I added in Xenagos, God of Revels, the enchantment god, um, to give my creatures plus X plus X until end of turn, Um, and haste but even that doesn't give trample. So I'm, I'm really just relying on large creatures and getting through with trample myself.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Got to get those cards in now, Andy Voltron strategies. Do you have any aggressive Voltron decks? I used to, and I'm working on one and I tore another one apart. (laughs) <laughs> okay so voltron being uh 21 commander damage right so so you're working to win with your commander what was your uh last uh voltron commander deck that you had and what are you looking to build
2: okay so the last one was uh rogue rock and uh Kelleth, the uh sunmane oh familiar yep, oh red white okay Yep. So red, white, uh, the goal was uh, get Rogue Rock down, put as many things on it as possible, and then just start pumping tokens, on, uh, counters onto him with A, the commander, and then B, the uh, sort of blue and white, truth and justice. Mm.
1: That's my sword favorite ball. sword. The, f- the sort of anti-Andy Flory is what I yep. call that one.
0: It is. It's the sort of protection from most <laughs> things that I play. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you looking to build? So, I'm actually currently working on
2: uh Nizan Reverend Bladesmith. Oh, which is um, I'm building it because my new logo is actually heavily uh based
1: on his art. That makes sense, that's cool. Yeah, because uh, coming down on the on the sword with his uh, with his hammer, Nizan's hammer, right? Yes, (laughs) Uh,
2: the, the differences in mine is uh, I'm using a Colossus hammer on a sort of feast of
0: him Uh, good. now now now, mike do you think that your general grievous zirgo helm smasher deck fits into an aggro strategy or do you not think that it fits in being a a deck that can win off of voltron
1: uh it's definitely aggressive strategy uh the number one thing is trying to suit up my zirgo helm smasher slash general grievous with as many lightsabers slash swords of X and Y as possible. It's the most effective strategy um, in terms of taking one person out, because I do not follow the strategy of spread the damage. I try to kill one person as fast as possible. And honestly with Voltron, it's, Unless you're taking extra combats or something, it is impossible to kill all three people with Voltron damage, uh, with commander damage, because you can only have one commander. Even if you have copies of that commander, only one of them counts for commander damage. Um, That deck does have a nice little uh, side uh, theme of, you know, the the droids and stuff from the original or not the original from the Star Wars trilogy episodes one, two and three. Um, which kind of helps you with ones, a, yeah, the hey, ones that
0: we all had to get the get ones, through the
1: ones I grew up with and I didn't Misa
0: didn't like them I the ones I saw <laughs> in
1: theaters and I didn't see the original three in theaters so they you know they mean something to me um but you know it, it helps with like so the, the biggest drawback to Voltron strategies really is like just you only have one creature so if they can block it or if they can do an edict effect to make you sacrifice it or just simply destroy it Um, You have to kind of rebuild, Um, but at least you don't commit to the board too heavy with creatures that you might not actually be able to reanimate or bring back to your hand. But, um, you know, you might get got by a remove all artifacts, you know, remove all of my swords of X and Y. And now I just have my seven, three my seven, three commander that really can't get through anywhere. So,
0: so, so, so Zergo Smasher for those on, uh, you know, unfamiliar, it's a commander. It's a seven, two haste. It attacks each combat if able. It has indestructible as long as it's your turn. And it says, whenever it's dealt, Whenever a creature dealt damage by Zergo Smasher dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Zergo. So it's never going to stay at seven. It's probably it's going to become much larger. And once it's getting protection from all those colors, sometimes it's just a one-two punch. And I have been on the receiving end of that one-two punch you, before.
1: You know, a long time ago, I had a different Voltron deck that I didn't even consider it Voltron to begin with. But it was my Lord of Tressor Horn deck. Oh, um yeah. which, which was a Grixis. Uh, so for one and Grixis, blue, red, black, you get a ten four zombie it says when it enters the battlefield, uh, you have to sacrifice two creatures and lose some life. Um, but as long as you are able to have two other creatures or maybe you have a torpor Orb out, which uh, prevents enter the battlefield effects from triggering in his case, it's a negative effect. Um, you get a 10-4 that I simply just pump with like one plus one plus one counter or something and then give it double strike and I was able to take people out. So I was playing Voltron before I knew what the Voltron strategy really was because that was, that was my zombies deck originally.
0: <laughs> I guess my last question on this for, for both of you, in a deck that's playing Voltron and it has the color black, are we fans of Tainted Strike just to give it infect? Oh, of course.
1: Um, absolutely, but, you know, I had Tainted Strike for my Nekusar deck, which isn't necessarily Voltron, but could still be considered a pretty aggressive strategy. Indeed.
0: Indeed. So speaking of in fact, I think my my current aggressive deck, I, I think it's probably my my most aggressive is, is Finn the Fangbearer. So it's a um, Death Touch Tribal. So it's a 1-3 human warrior for one and a green, and it says, whenever a creature you control... With death touch deals comet damage to a player that player gets two poison counters so it's not in fact but it's in fact so it's not in fact with air quotes that's how i explain the deck it's not in fact wink wink um and i feel like this deck um it i mean obviously i only care because i only have to hit someone five times with death touch creatures mm-hmm. and it has done its job in the past actually the first game i ever played with it is on youtube so you can go check out our youtube channel to see how that worked out um but i think this is one of those decks that has fallen to the um everyone has figured out how to get around this which is just keep removing fin Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and i can't
2: do anything so a fun point about that that's why i built my fin deck to get around people removing it
1: so you include other creatures and other ways to give infect or do you just use Finn to do the initial infect and then start proliferating?
2: Uh no, I'm running every single monogreen protection spell oh, that I could get my hands on.
1: Okay, with. okay. So you went with that. So it's so you play it kind of like a Voltron in that your commander is so important to the deck that you must have it protected at all times. And I guess you get some sort of advantage in some ways uh being I know you would you would maybe think of it as a disadvantage in being mono green, but um, you know, there's a, a brand new equipment called Commander's Plate. I say brand new. Commander Legends was 20 2019, 2020, 2019 something like that yeah so the equipped <laughs> creature gets uh plus three plus three and has protection from each color that's not in your uh, commander's color identity and it costs one and it only costs three to equip to your commander after that so for four mana your protection from everything but green and you know the green spells that are going to be able to kill your commander are probably fight spells in which case whatever they're fighting you with is going to die because finn it, himself has death touch so yeah no that's mm-hmm. really really smart
0: yeah, I think the fight spells in that deck really make it, you know, an interesting play because I mean, you can play fight and you're assuming the creatures are going to be large, but then you're like, I'm going to have you fight my 1-2 death-touch-reach-spider- that's a one two. Oops, mm-hmm. your giant. Three. And then I'm gonna re-enter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you know, uh, again, player removal, uh, I guess, through poison counters is also aggressive when you only have to get in a few times. This is also one of those decks that I find has a significantly higher win rate when you're playing in pods of three because you have far less people to remove or get only you know five hits in on. Yeah. Um. Uh, so again, player removal is permanent removal. So I guess um, Andy, do you find that you target specific people that have a strategy that kind of negates yours? And that, that might be a silly question. And, um, Oh, if you're trying to shut me down, I will take you out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're making, you know, the, the, the person that, you know, has an Alice Nord in their deck from past experiences, <laughs> you know, I, I can't let this happen. This is an aggro deck with small creatures. I'm so sorry. I can't let that resolve. And I'm not playing blue. So you have to just not be here for it to resolve. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of your experience as an aggro player, how does your rule zero chats or your pregame discussions go as far as um, your aggressive decks uh, uh, when you want to play those in a game?
2: Well, uh, as two people who have sat down with me during those conversations, I think you can attest to a lot of times I'll kind of bring out a couple of decks and say, Hey, I could play this or this, or this. And then I kind of let people say, oh yeah, we haven't seen this in a while, or yeah, I want to see that. And then I kind of give them a rundown
0: of what the deck's going to do. Okay, so So you... So you lay out the main cards in the strategy.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um but it, i mean does it change if you are putting out your voltron deck or something? I mean is it so i'm the, the reason the reason i like this question is because a lot of people when they do have a voltron deck or an aggro deck, they know that, you know, a board wipe or something or an artifact wipe is going to get them. So they kind of are a little skittish about giving away too much about their deck. Um, so that's that's why we i wanted to ask about this rule like do you ever um feel like you you give too much information uh and that people will know like oh my deck is completely built around my commander so if my commander goes i'm i'm you know i'm screwed and then it's like oh well then they're just going to keep targeting your commander and over over again like do you ever do you ever withhold any information um in order to have a better time playing the game
2: i'll never really tell whether a deck absolutely needs its commander to function okay But uh, I figure I'm going to be honest in the talk, and if they feel like they need to uh, hose me by pulling (laughs) a specific deck, then that's on them, not me.
1: Well, not necessarily pulling a specific deck, but maybe playing a specific strategy in their deck, focusing on, you know, if I can shut down the aggressive player early, then late game I'm going to be okay. Um, But maybe you withhold some information where it's like, oh, but late game I also have a... giant spell that i can go off and and win with as well like maybe if it had an alternate win condition in your mono white deck but it's an aggro deck at heart
2: so just to be completely clear uh if uh they want to try and hose the aggro deck that's perfectly fine
1: it's just the aggro deck is going to start coming after them as soon yeah. as they start trying to. Exactly. Okay. Okay.
0: I I feel like I've seen that strategy play out before, and it wasn't even just hosing. But you know, Andy has an Adelie's the Cinderwind deck, and so uh, it's a blue red fast wizards deck, and uh, that deck it, it does have some counter magic in it, right, Andy? Yes. Yeah. It's a it's a quick deck that can support itself when someone goes to play that blasphemous act or Mm -hmm. you know whatever and you know what not not this turn give me one more swing with my wizards and then, and then we'll see but it's also got card draw and i i actually that's one of my favorite uh one of your your aggro decks is um in in blue blue red which you know we're not always seeing as an aggressive strategy uh we're usually seeing as a spell slinger strategy which i guess they're kind of meshing now right and um i think that that's that's a really cool um way that you're able to actually i guess mitigate a a potential bad pre-game chat um by targeting the right player first so um talking about targeting the right player um are there certain things you look for when targeting somebody in in a deck are there maybe precursors to cards you're seeing their deck play out a certain way in certain cards and you go oh oh gosh this is going to be really bad in two turns if i don't start trying to you know turn the tide now
2: uh the two main things i'm going to look at is how much does your commander cost and can you play it by turn two
0: Ooh, by turn two. Okay. okay, yeah, that's fair. In an aggressive strategy, you want to make sure that they have as few blockers as possible. So um, I guess you're looking at, at commanders that are more expensive. So let me let me give
2: you this hypothetical. Okay. Let's say I sit down with uh, Linden. You sit down with Niambi. Uh, Parker sits down with Goreclaw, and then Coil sits down with uh what's a fun deck his uh abzan tokens okay out of those options who do you think i'm gonna attack first wow i feel really attacked right
0: now (laughs) with niambi costing two mana and everybody says oh wait Path on turn three no it's because i'm gonna flash niambi in Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm not not Not, gonna play not only
1: do you have a two mana commander but going back to something that you yourself andy said earlier you also have an Elishnorn in there don't you (laughs)
0: Oh, crap. Crap. I'm playing Elishnor, and I'm also playing Jingataxius and no one likes that either. Listen, it's it's fair that that deck gets targeted first. And as we saw in the stats episode, it lost. It came in fourth, or I guess got targeted first most often um, than any of my other decks, which completely makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's great. I, um, I certainly understand that. Um, have you had any negative experiences playing aggressive decks against low mana value commanders? I know I haven't seen it in quite a while, actually, even in any of the pods we've played with, but have you played against like a Hapatra of Vizier of Poisons that are maybe taking out your creatures one by one, or or any decks that are playing just constant board wipes and having to fight an uphill battle? Or are you finding that most of your pregame chats now are going pretty well and everybody's on the same footing? Uh, it does it does happen occasionally. Uh, my brother
2: has a Hapatra deck that is insanely powerful. Okay, <laughs> and he doesn't—he doesn't realize it, but it is.
1: <laughs> sure, and I—I I, uh, I would think that like my 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 Jessica Falthus deck might have a very similar effect because it's just about killing creatures over and over and over again.
2: Yeah, uh, then the other part of that is if an aggro deck kind of peters out uh, nine times out of ten you would have done enough damage to the table at that point that the game's not going to last much longer you can just shuffle up and play again mm-hmm.
0: yeah I like that part of it because if you've already done 20 damage to everybody and you get taken out no, some, someone's going to pull ahead and the game's going to end probably in the next 10-15 minutes
2: yeah. It's not like you're playing Umori and you get knocked out in the first thirty minutes and then sit through a two hour game. That would be unfortunate. Yeah, that definitely has never
0: happened before. <laughs> yeah, absolutely never. <laughs> I've never I've never done that to you
1: um <laughs> now have you ever sat across from an enchantress style deck or something and decided that that has to go first because you're expecting cards like ghostly prison and propaganda to come out to prevent you not necessarily prevent you from attacking but make you spend all of your mana in order to attack with your creatures rather than spend it to cast spells
2: oh yeah all the time okay uh and that just kind of goes into like my general knowledge of the card base because I can see a commander and kind of get a rough picture for like ten or twenty cards that are going to be in that deck. Okay, that's fair.
0: Yeah, the propagandas, ghostly prisons. Yeah, setting setting up the with what people refer to as pillow fort, just forcing you to spend you know five, six, seven mana per creature to swing. Uh, aggressive decks definitely struggle once they can start setting up that little defense wall.
1: Yeah, so hopefully you can kill them before they even yeah. have a chance to do it. So um, let's start talking about a few of your uh, particular decks. I know we have uh, made reference to one in particular a few times here. And so let's talk about that one first, Andy. Tell us a little bit about your Linden the Steadfast Queen deck. Uh,
2: so Linden is my baby. Okay, okay. Uh I built this deck to prove a point. What point? That mono white doesn't have to be stacks and it doesn't have to have the best card draw or ramp to still win games. Okay.
1: And I've definitely lost to this deck before. (laughs) So have I.
2: (laughs) So tell us what Linden does. All right. So uh Linden is three white mana for a three-three with vigilance. And whenever a white creature you control attacks, you gain one life. That part is secondary. The important the, bit is she's a cheap 3-3 with Vigilance.
0: I, I, and I, you know what? Whenever I look at a card like this, I always feel like that part that you just said is secondary would be what, what I put first in my deck building strategy. And that's why I like seeing this deck so much. So tell us about how you built Linden, because it's not specifically just based on life gain. That's just incidental. True. So the first thing that kind of blows everybody's
2: mind is uh it's a 30 land deck. It's a That's 30
1: land deck with yeah. with five fetch lands in here too, I see.
2: Uh y- yeah, true. We uh we need to get our planes. Mm-hmm. But uh for the most part I wanted to keep the mana base really lean so I have 20 planes and then 10 utility lands or fetch lands. Mhm.
1: Um, Do you find that the fetch lands are useful in deck thinning or do you like having them for uh, I notice you have a sun titan in here that can return them from your graveyard to the battlefield in the event that you aren't drawing lands? I know you probably have your land count pretty low because you want to be drawing gas most of the time, right?
2: Yeah, so that's the the main reason we're running as many fetch lands as possible is every fetch land that digs out a land. Lowers the chance of us drawing a land by like one point four percent.
1: That's good math. We got ma- we got a math episode, uh, and, I, and I and I think that's right. And I, I was curious because I, when I was looking through this deck list, I thought I had seen. Uh, an enchantment with landfall but it's actually in your Najila deck but it um, is in
0: my Najeela deck.
1: would would something like felidar retreat be be a card consideration because i see there's there is a care about plus one plus one counters here a little bit too and uh, if you're not familiar felidar retreat uh four mana three and a white you get an enchantment with landfall that says you can either create a two two cat beast creature token or put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and they gain vigilance until end of turn
2: uh funny story, it actually used to be in the deck.
1: Okay, okay.
2: Uh, and every time I had it, it just underperformed.
0: Oh. Uh, and so it actually got cut for comeuppance.
1: Oh, okay, well, that's okay. a pretty come good Comeuppance
0: is so, so good. So that's an instant for three and a white. It says prevent all damage that would be dealt to you. And Planeswalkers, you control this turn by sources that you don't control. And if damage from a creature source is prevented this way, comeuppance deals that much damage to that creature. And if it was prevented from a non-creature source, come up and steals that much damage to the source's controller. So like, get wrecked creatures, and if you're gonna try and do some big expel damage to my face, it's gonna do it to your face instead.
2: Right, back right, at and you. and that gives me a way to protect myself when I swing out at one person, and everyone thinks I'm open, and no, I'm not.
0: Not today.
1: Yeah, and and you have a few other protection uh stuff up here too. And you know, the one that everyone runs to in a mono white is Teferi's protection I see here. I mean, it's like yeah. it's it's the it's the doesn't feel this is the way I look at it. And that and that might be because like when it came out, I was still pretty early in magic. But Teferi's protection always felt like cyclonic rift to me, but it didn't hurt me. But it, it always felt like the same like level of a cyclonic like like, I can Protection see why you're saying Cyclonic that. Well, <laughs>
2: well, it feels like that because, again, w- when somebody just attacks you with everything they have, you're essentially blanking their entire board. True, true. And then you get to crack back and only deal with one or two blockers at that point
1: unless they're swinging with the questing beast in which case they still do damage to
0: you somehow that's true
2: the questing beast is an odd odd card
0: <laughs> it, it sure is now i do like that you have a sub theme of just uh you know uh, uh i guess lords or you've got uh ways to pump your creatures here you've got enchantments so anthems with honor of the pure glorious anthem you have always watching which i love to see in the deck that gives Mm -hmm. non-token creatures you control plus one plus one and vigilance for one white white um question looking at this deck promise of tomorrow how has that worked promise of tomorrow's an enchantment for three whenever a creature you control dies exile it and at the beginning of each end step if you control no creatures sacrifice promise of tomorrow and you can put all those creatures that had died previously back onto the battlefield has that done its job yet uh it has uh and it's great protection
2: there's one issue with it okay um we're not going to talk about it but i'm going to mm-hmm. change it out for reasons yes okay
1: yeah that makes sense um but there's some other cards that have come out since then you know maybe some newer cards um that i was curious on on how much you've actually been able to play this deck since the release of uh, Modern Horizons 2, Midnight Hunt, Forgotten Realms, some of these uh, newer cards, and how they've worked out for you. I know that uh, my pick for the best card from last year, Esper Sentinel was able to make it in your deck. Mono White card draw. Um, Has this been a big change? I know it's only like one extra card, and you could play 20 games and maybe never see it, but uh, Esper Sentinel, uh, one white human soldier artifact creature, one one. This is whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, draw a card, unless that player pays X where X is Esper Sentinel's power. I imagine you can even put plus one plus one counters in this deck on it to to make it so that it becomes nearly impossible or maybe just not worth it anymore uh, for an opponent to pay that mana cost for you to get to draw a card. So have you seen a benefit here?
2: Uh, I have. Um, The fact that it's also a creature that can pick up a couple counters and then tax our opponents more, but still do more damage uh is great because uh do you pay the one sure do you pay the two
0: absolutely do you pay the 14 (laughs) maybe not (laughs) (laughs) Um, a card i just recently picked up that you have in your deck i picked it up in foil and and a card that we all love on this show because we love cards that exile graveyards sanctifier and Vec, a 2-2 human cleric for white white that has pro uh protection from black and red and says, when it enters the battlefield, exile all cards that are black or red from graveyards. And if a black or red permanent spell um, or card not on the battlefield will be put into a graveyard, exile it. Has this done its job?
2: Uh, so if I ask you to guess what do you think the two colors I play against the most are, what do
0: you think they are? <laughs> are they black and red? <laughs> they <are. laughs> i i have not i have not yet put this into a deck i picked it up because i said you know what this feels like it's going to be really great for my Sigarda humans deck which is not an aggressive deck but just to kind of keep keep other decks that might be you know board wiping or sending you know direct damage at my creatures if i don't have cigar out in check um but i haven't quite added it to the deck yet so i'm glad to hear that it's actually doing some work here
1: yeah so what about this card um bereaved survivor one of the flip cards from midnight hunt so whenever another creature you control dies you transform bereaved survivor it's a three mana two and a white you get a two one and on the flip side you have Dauntless Avenger, whenever Dauntless Avenger attacks, return target creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Uh 3-2. I, I I get that the Dauntless Avenger trigger uh having the creature come in tapped and attacking, you're not gonna gain the one life for a creature attacking since it's already been declared as an attacker, I guess, before it hits the battlefield. But you said that you weren't really building around that life gain strategy anyway. So just get it this is yeah. basically a reanimation for you.
2: So are you familiar with my good old friend Sun Titan? Uh, yes. I,
1: Yeah, Sun is a pretty good card, uh, and, and it's actually pretty cheap now, too. You can get it for under 50 Indeed.
2: cents. Uh, the thing with the uh, bereaved uh, survivor, I'm playing a bunch of 1-1 creatures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something is going to die, whether it's because I'm just swinging everything I have at you and you're going to have to block something, or... You just don't like something I have. It will flip. And if you actually look at the deck list, uh, just in the creatures, we have, I don't know, uh, three, six, nine, 12, 16, one and two drop creatures.
1: Yeah. Uh, yep. That's what I just counted. Yep. 16 of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and everyone listening, we'll drop these links to, to the decks we're talking about in the in the show notes.
1: But it's cool to see these new cards, you know. You know, Linden's not that old either. Coming from Throne of Eldraine, it's a couple of years old. But seeing all these new cards come in here and and help out the strategies, cards you might uh, normally only see in Modern, like Sanctifier and Vec that we talked about already. I, I like seeing that. Or um, Nadar Selfless Paladin, a, a commander for uh, dungeon dungeoneering, if you will, uh, that we've seen in uh, some of the decks in in our Discord and stuff. Um, but Let's talk about something with a way higher mana curve that you have. Let's talk about your Coligan deck. So tell us a little bit about these dwagons.
2: Okay, so there's a story behind how I got to Coligan and I'll give
0: you the condensed version. Okay. Uh, it started as a Tarka. Okay. okay, so it was red-green initially. Then it became Saskia. Okay. Okay. Four colors now. Everything but blue. Mm-hmm. Then it became ur dragon. Okay. Went and up now, one color. All, all
2: five added blue. Okay. Then we went to lathless.
1: All the way down to mono red. Just
2: red. Just red. <laughs> and then I was like, "Hey, you know what this needs?
0: Reanimation." So I put gold again at the lead. Yeah. All right. Long way there, but we got there. And I have played against and lost to this coligon deck, so it's black-red, so something Sanctifier and Vec wants to play against. Tell us what coligon the Storm's Fury does. Uh, so Kologon the Storm's Fury is three, a black, and a red for a four-five
2: dragon with flying, and whenever a dragon you control,
0: and my dog just attacked the door.
1: <laughs> Your dog has an aggressive strategy as well. What an aggressive
0: strategy. Uh, apparently... Uh, I completely lost my trade that's
1: yeah, so a coligan storm's fury five mana four five dragon three black and a red with flying whenever a dragon you control text creatures you control get plus one plus O until end of turn and it has an ability dash can you, can you let, let me know what that dash is there Andy
2: uh, so dash is three a red and a black and essentially it puts it into play gives it haste and then at the end of turn it says no you cannot board wipe it goes back to my hand
1: okay okay so do you typically use that dash effect in this deck or is it more just kind of there just in case someone bounces it to your hand and you see maybe you see a lot of people playing white and you're gonna expect a lot of board wipes or something like that
2: if i know i'm playing against somebody with a very controlling deck i will rely more on the dash
1: okay and 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 coligan being able to pump plus one plus O, oh, uh it's to all um you know, whenever a dragon you control attacks, it's all creatures you control get the plus one, plus oh. So essentially, Coligan dashed out is a five, five. Coligan swinging is a five, five. So it takes, what, six turns to, or sorry, five turns to kill someone to kill the control player with commander damage. Uh, maybe only four turns if you have a lord out or something like that. Is that is that pati- like the strategy you go for when you see someone with a control strategy on the board?
2: Uh, Yep, pretty much
1: okay so because you can't really commit so i was looking at the mana curve for this we talked about the mana curve for the first deck a little bit it hovered around two to three with uh with Um, your mono white deck and it was very even actually between the two CMC slot or the two mana value slot and the three mana value slot Uh, but here the mana curve is really heavy at four so we're talking about when we were talking about aggressive decks we were talking about you know getting established early and being able to uh, do damage to your opponents early but this one it, it seems like it has to wait a little bit and although the curve is highest at four I do really like how even the curve is between two and six the exact same number of cards nine cards at two three five six and uh, and then uh, only one card less than that at seven um a few more cards at four so tell us uh how this high mana value deck still uh, fits your definition of an aggressive strategy
2: okay so the first thing you have to look at with a deck like this is how can i get dragons into play for cheap
1: Okay, so Uh, like things like, I see sneak attack in here, uh, enchantment for four, pay a red, just put a creature onto the battlefield. But it says you have to sacrifice that creature at the end of the turn, so it kind of has that downside,
2: right? uh, You call it a downside, (laughs) I call it the second hand. Ah, okay, the graveyard, I like that. Uh, So yes, uh, a lot of this deck is based on either getting dragons into play for cheap or getting them into the graveyard and then back into play for cheap.
1: Okay, but then, so how are you doing that quickly in a way where you're milling yourself and, and, and only focusing on the reanimation strategies? Or are you doing maybe cost reduction spells to try to make it so that you can get stuff out early? Like, what what's your plan on turns one through three? Because uh, when I look at this, just at a face value, it's like maybe you're not actually casting a dragon until four.
2: Right. So things like Minion of the Mighty, which is a single red for a zero-one Cobalt with Manache, mm-hmm. uh, but he has Pack Tactics. Whenever he attacks, if you attack with creatures with total power six or greater, you can just put a dragon card from your hand into play.
1: Okay, so this would go you know perfectly well with your commander that's going to be swinging as a as a five power anyway. So yeah, you dash right. it out and, when you have him out.
2: Yeah, perfect. And then yeah. when you still attack with the minion. Coligan doesn't care about what kind of creature it is. It pumps your whole team. So between the two of them, you have six power.
1: Okay. Well, actually, it'll be even uh, seven power, right? Because he'll become a two two, and Coligan will become a five five. No, or two he'll be one.
2: A, he'll be a one two.
1: Oh, is it zero power. I'm not looking at the card. It's, right. a, little yeah. zero, it's, oh, a, it's a little zero. It's a zero one.
0: one. <laughs> it's a little zero one. But I do like though that I'm taking a look at the stuff that you have to set up. While you're while you're leaning up to that, and cards like Hammer Perforos to give creatures you control haste. Um, that's a very cool card. Tybalt's trickery to counter a spell that might be problematic. That's going to maybe take you out before you're able to set up. Tybalt's trickery being a, a red counter spell, one in a red to counter a spell, choose one, two or three. It's controller mills and then exiles until they cast a nonland card with a different name. So that's a pretty interesting card here. I also really like Rakdos charm that if somebody's kind of even going off with tokens, you can just maybe even take them out before they're able to take you out. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of low value removal or I guess just value cards that that lead up to your big spells, um, and then there's a lot of really big scary dragons that are just going to get cheated in.
1: Yeah, are there any particular dragons that you are aiming for? I don't see any any uh, tutors per se in here to go find exactly uh, what dragons I, you want, but I have
2: exactly one, and it's okay. Sarkin's Triumph. Okay. Uh, two and a red instance, Search your library for a dragon creature card. Reveal it. Put it in your hand and then shuffle your library.
1: So is that a toolbox spell for you or is there like, a, like one dragon that you almost always go get?
2: No. Uh, it is a toolbox because sometimes you don't have the mana for like one thing or another. Or say you have something in your graveyard that you absolutely want to get back you're going to go for blade wing the risen okay to uh, put nice. that into your hand and then blade wing is three uh black black red red for a four four zombie dragon with flying when he enters the battlefield you can return a dragon permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield and then you can pay black and red to uh give dragon creatures you control plus one plus one till end of turn
0: yeah, fantastic. And you'll yeah. take out with the wind that way. Now let's shift gears to one final deck here. Let's talk for just a couple of minutes about a deck that we have not been too nice to <laughs> on this on this here podcast. The commander um being of the five color variety. Um, That seems to just accidentally go infinite quite often. Tell us about your aggressive, but non-competitive, non-CEDH deck, um, Najila the Blade Blossom Warriors. Tell us about Najila and then how you built this deck. Okay, so
2: Najila is two and a red for a 3-2 human warrior. Whenever a warrior attacks, you may have its controller put a 1-1 white warrior creature token into play tap, and attacking. And yes, I have given my opponents warriors before. Uh Okay. (laughs) Uh, You can pay uh, Wooburg to untap all attacking creatures. They gain trample, lifelink, and haste until end of turn. And after this phase, there's an additional combat phase. Activate this only during combat. And I have also activated that
0: on an opponent's turn to let them take somebody out.
1: Oh, beautiful
0: i do i do like that a lot now we're seeing here there are some cards that that um people who have faced Najila have nightmares about like Derevi which is a, a bant colored creature that untaps permanence and helps you kind of go infinite with those combats we're not seeing that here we're not seeing cards like bear umbra which will untap your lands when that creature deals damage oh we do um, see bear no
2: no i do have bear umbra. we do see bear umbra here
0: And I have Druid's
2: Repository. Those are the two main ways I can go infinite in the deck.
1: Okay, so yeah, Druid's Repository, a three-mana enchantment, one green-green whenever a creature you control attacks, put a charge counter on Druid's Repository. And then you can remove a charge counter from Druid's Repository to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. And Bear Umbra being a four-mana aura, two green-green enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has whenever this creature attacks, untap all lands you control um so yeah that that being you know uh derevi was whenever a a creature you control um deals damage you get to untap a permanent that you control which you could untap five permanents to activate Najila's ability again so bear umbra as long as you are able to produce that five colors of mana you'll be able to do that again druids repository as long as you're putting five charge counters on it each time or you have mana uh to fill in the gaps uh while you are starting to combo with your maybe your first few combat steps Um, And then it'll start filling in the gaps once you get more warriors on the battlefield. Um, So that's really cool to see. Is there any particular reason why you don't play Derevi in here as well? Is it because it's not a warrior? Yeah,
2: he's a wizard. Get out of here. Uh
1: I just I wanted to make sure because I see every single creature here is a warrior. I went through and I checked to make sure every single one was. um, But one really (laughs) cool thing that I noticed when looking through there is there's not like a vanilla warrior like you go to a bear tribal and there's a bunch of two mana tutus that do nothing. But all warriors are like pumping each other up as a lord or giving each other um, special keywords, trample haste, lifelink, you know, what have you, uh, or maybe even draining your opponents when warriors enter the battlefield, similar to the ally strategy we talked about earlier. So um and and I see a lot from Battle Bond. It seems like Battle Bond helped this out a lot. Uh, some yeah. brand new cards like Chatterfang. I imagine that's just good against green decks because Chatterfang has Forest Walk. Um, but do you also find yourself sacrificing or make being able to make squirrel tokens? Like, what's the what's 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 the deal with Chatterfang here?
2: So the funny thing with Chatterfang is he is Najila just color shifted into Golgari.
1: Okay, uh, explain yourself.
2: So for every one token that Najila makes, Chatterfang matches it. Okay. Okay. Uh, and whether we use those to sacrifice squirrels to get rid of creatures or we just go, well, we have a ton of creatures out and now we're just going to drop a Beastmaster Ascension and you can deal with it.
1: Yeah. That's fair. So it helps this you with the go This is really Gowai. cool. Yeah. It's very, this very sweet. So really we, cool. Now, there is one particular enchantment in here that I wanted to talk about. Oh, uh, wait.
2: That... Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, okay. Is it Guardian Project?
1: Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's <laughs> oh, I'm it's the name.
0: You said the name of the show. <laughs> ding! Oh my gosh! <laughs> ding! 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 <laughs>
1: um, but uh, in in all in all talk, the, the aggressiveness of Najila uh, is really about just getting. Uh, inherent advantage for attacking with creatures that inherently are good and inherently boost each other up so this is we're just saying that warriors are strong and Najila is a strong warrior yeah. tribal commander yeah
0: we're saying we love it and please play your Najila decks against us uh, it's our favorite just have a good <laughs> rule zero conversation <laughs> to, to, about to be it fair
2: Nagila does not come out often sliver overlord does not come out often But if people are like at the end of the day and we want to play a high powered game, I will pull them out and
0: say, cool, let's make this a fast one. Absolutely. Now, Andy, thank you so much for your support. And we are so happy that you are the first ever patron guest on our show. Please tell everyone where they can find you online and actually tell them where they can find your other content.
2: Okay. So if you're looking for me online, I don't know why you would, Uh, but I'm on Twitter (laughs) at uh, Ben Smister. Or currently, uh, you can search for uh, Andy Bentley. Uh, I believe I just changed it to Disappointed Ronan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh uh, uh uh, my podcast can be found on Twitter at uh, Commander underscore Forge, which is CMDR underscore Forge, which is where I essentially uh,
0: shitpost about magic.
2: Lovely. Yeah.
0: lovely well if you want to find us on twitter i'm on twitter at andy Flory.
1: and i'm on twitter at Wormcoil engine of course we want to give a special thanks to ryan nichols our producer and editor thank you so much for everything you do and chris wolf who handles all of our graphic design thank you for everything you do and andy thank you again for joining us it has been a wonderful episode with really good insight into the aggressive uh, playstyle strategies andy A little bit of an insight into your mind as a deck builder. Uh, It was a blast. And to all you listening out there, we will chat with you next week.
0: Bye-bye. Bye.